You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. America. Up. Ten. Hack. At easy. Relax. Get comfortable. Do like Jason does when he's at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Just make yourself at home. Welcome to Fearless, the hottest-hitting show on the airways. I'm your thrill sergeant, Uncle Jimmy. That's our fearless leader, Jason Whitlock. And I'm going to tell you, we got a pretty darn good show planned for you today. First of all, we're going to head out to Missouri and speak with Mr. Show Me himself, T.J. Moe. He's going to be here to discuss whether or not we are witnessing the assimilation of Aaron Rodgers from super jock to super conservative. Next, they say that God don't make no mess. Well, he sure wasn't messing around when he made our next guest. And of course, I'm speaking about the first lady of the fearless family, Shamika the real Michelle. And she's going to be here to discuss the latest episode of As the World Turns at ESPN, according to Mina Kynes. Hey, I keep saying that he's back into his house, and I'm starting to think that this dude really thinks that this is his house. And I'm talking about my guy, Stephen A. Hey, Stephen A. Kim, he's going to be here to talk about and do what he does best, and that's whatever he wants to do. And closing out the show, we have Jason's wingman. And of course, I'm talking about Delano Squires. Hey, y'all, Jason only hangs out with Delano because it makes him look smart, okay? He's going to be here to talk about the Gates disorder. No, not the Bill Gates disorder, another disorder. Anyway, y'all, it's about that time. We need to release the doves. We need to release the hounds. We need to give him five stars. Hit the like button. Hey, go and perch the merch, all right? And let me quickly add this, that if John Gruden thought that DeMarcus Smith had big lips, he clearly hasn't seen the soup coolers on this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Jason. Ow! All right, Jimmy, uh, let's get right to it because I got a fire today that's better than the fire I started yesterday. And it may be my favorite fire of all time. Let's get right to it. Uh, buckle up. <clears throat> uh, get your hazmat suits on. Uh, yesterday, Mina Kimes nailed herself to the same Twitter cross that transformed sideline Barbie Maria Taylor into a multimillionaire NBC broadcaster. Kimes, an ESPN NFL expert, posted a disparaging email she received from an alleged sports fan questioning her qualifications to discuss male sports, particularly football. Quote, Mina, stop embarrassing yourself and pretending to actually know anything about male sports. The email started, 
The only reason you're at ESPN is due to affirmative action. Jeff Saturday must privately feel so emasculated having to pretend to have an intellectual back and forth about professional football with someone wearing lipstick and high heels. Viewers see you as a bad joke that they're forced into enduring. Uh, Kimes claimed that she posted the email to enlighten female sports broadcasters about the nonstop harassment they will receive. Uh, tweeting, quote, I understand that don't amplify argument. I really do. But I get asked by women every day whether it's normal and I want people to see it never ends and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Uh, no. Here's what Kimes understands. Using Twitter to play the victim is an easy route to advance your personal brand and leverage TV executives into promoting you into a position you don't deserve. It worked for Maria Taylor. In September of 2020, an inconsequential Chicago radio host, Dan McNeil, tweeted criticism of Taylor's style of dress. Taylor and her then ESPN colleagues, Jalen Rose and Jay Williams, leaned into the criticism, hosting an on-air pity party for Taylor that included the presentation of a flower bouquet. Over the next year, Taylor pretended that co-worker Rachel Nichols' private remarks about Taylor's meteoric rise at ESPN were the near equivalent of Emmett Till's murder. Taylor demanded a salary equal to Stephen A. Smith's. When ESPN balked, Taylor bolted to NBC's Sunday Night Football broadcast team. She's overpaid and far out over her skis at Sunday Night Football. Kimes is laying the groundwork for TV networks to reward her victimhood. Yesterday, verified Twitter exploded with notes of sympathy and support for Kimes. Jeff Saturday and Dan Orlovsky, former NFL players turned ESPN football experts, played the same roles for Kimes that Jalen Rose and Jay Williams played for Maria Taylor. Saturday and Orlovsky stepped into Twitter phone booths and donned Superman capes. Saturday claimed he frequently consults with Kimes on the use of analytics in football. Orlovsky testified to Kimes' general brilliance. Kimes hit the Twitter social justice jackpot. She increased her personal brand by pretending to take a courageous stand for women. She offered weak men the opportunity to improve their social media and social justice credit scores. Her bait was irresistible. The blind ambition, greed, and lack of integrity are obvious here. But this is larger than an individual woman using unethical measures to advance her career. Men and women do that equally. Kimes is no different from the male sports writers who dominated sports journalism in the 1990s and 2000s by writing Tuesdays with Maury perfect quote hagiographies about every athlete and executive who gave them access. Kimes and Taylor are the Mitch Album and Joe Posnanski of the 2020s. Kimes and Taylor are exploiting a system primarily run by weak men with no respect for truth. The weak men running the system are the real problem. They have allowed the feminization of male spaces. I don't have a problem with Mina Kimes or Maria Taylor talking about male sports, as long as they're willing to abide by the pre-existing rules. 
angry emails questioning the qualifications of the writer, broadcasters, whatever, or the fair price of stating an opinion on a large platform. As a columnist at the Ann Arbor News, the Kansas City Star, ESPN.com, and FoxSports.com, as a radio and TV host locally and nationally, I received an endless supply of angry, disparaging emails and letters that questioned my qualifications and aptitude. We used to publish some of them in the newspaper. I wasn't a victim. I was a voice that mattered. Today, via Twitter and Instagram, I'm the constant target of malicious and threatening tweets and direct messages as a result of the opinions I state publicly. My voice still matters. Mina Kimes isn't special. She's weak. She accepted the paycheck and the position, but wants to be shielded from the price. Criticism, much of it mean-spirited, is the price men and women must be willing to pay to espouse opinions on large platforms. The marketplace of ideas is a high contact area. It has to remain that way if we want to seek uncomfortable truths. It's a mistake to feminize debate. It compromises truth. We can't treat the debate of ideas like it's football and make rules to eliminate head trauma. If you can't shake off unfair personal attacks from strangers without nailing yourself to a cross, you're not man or woman enough for the job. Times isn't woman enough for the position ESPN placed her in. She's not qualified. ESPN is trying to pass her off as an NFL expert able to debate football at the same level as former players and coaches. That's a space meant for former NFL players and coaches. Adam Schefter, ESPN's top football newsbreaker, isn't debating football with Marcus Spears, a former NFL player. Schefter provides information and leaves the football debates to the players and coaches. Weak men, in the name of diversity, put Kimes in a position to fail. The consequence of the emasculation of debate includes the perversion of sports debates. It's why so much time and energy are now wasted on analyzing fashion, dating lives, emotions, and social issues attached to sports. Maria Taylor can talk for hours about how football players should feel about the death of St. George Floyd. Taylor can offer a credible opinion on whether LeBron James likes Kyrie Irving. Should Tristan Thompson break up with Khloe Kardashian? Was Drew Brees racist for defending the national anthem? Is Colin Kaepernick a hero for kneeling? Women can talk about all of this stuff, some of it mildly interesting, but is it truthful? It can't be when many of them spend every waking moment in fear of receiving angry emails or tweets. As men, we've adopted the female standard that words break as many bones as sticks and stones. This is why so many male broadcasters on ESPN have resorted to crying on air for no good reason. Randy Moss, Ryan Clark, Kirk Herbstreet. I played this before. The ESPN crying game, take a look. And so you can't relate to that if you're white, but you can listen and you can try to help because this is not okay. 
It's just not. Thank you for everybody that reached out to me. And um, like, I know it's getting better, but it's not better, better yet and better for everybody. And, um, you know, like, we just got to keep, you know, staying together, man, and just doing what we can. Yeah. And for us to be moving back and not forward in 21st century, like I said, man, National Football League, this hurts me. The clock is ticking, man. I'm okay. sorry. Weak men turn incredibly phony, dishonest, and weak around women, particularly attractive women. We'll do almost anything to please a woman. Lying and crying are easy. Pretending that Minor Kimes is a football expert? We can do that all day and twice on Sundays. Mmm! Love that fire because no one else in corporate media has the balls to tell you that kind of unvarnished truth. If, I, if there's one lie in anything I said, please contact me directly. Everybody knows what I just said is the truth. We feminized this entire sports media debate world. It's happening everywhere. I, I, I didn't have to stop at just sports. The entire public discourse we're having in America, on social media, on TV, on radio, everywhere has been feminized. We've, we've uh, devolved to a standard where everybody wants to be sensitive and let's not say anything that might hurt anybody's feelings. It could cause head trauma. Someone might have to take anxiety medicine. We could hurt someone's feelings. So don't say the truth. Don't question anybody. Well, that person who has to go take anxiety medicine because someone said something they didn't like or criticized them, they're not qualified and built for that position. This is the problem with just letting any and everybody get on a stage and a platform regardless of their qualifications. Some people ain't built for it. And that's not even a man or woman thing, because I know some women that are built for it. But they ain't releasing emails over Twitter. Oh, God, I just want everybody to see. It's never going to stop. And we act like, oh, my God, Mina Kimes is the only one that deals with criticism and all these women. And we, we just we must eliminate criticism. And then you got all these weak ass, phony men getting on to acting like women. Because that's where all the value is. Let your emotions go. Let everybody know how in touch you are with your feelings. Cry. You can't get to truth if there's no iron sharpening iron. There's iron versus a pillow. The pillow gets destroyed and the iron doesn't get sharper. That's what we have going on across the board in public discourse in America, driven by social media. Oh, it's terrible. She got a terrible email. Oh, she got, let me read these mean tweets. Remember that, the, the fat woman that works over at Deadspin, Julie DeCaro? Oh God, she gets all these mean tweets about how fat she is. So do I. 
I ain't crying about it. It's the price. Lose some weight. Or grow a pair. Uh, Steve Kim. Uh, we're going to roll out to Los Angeles. Uh, Steve loves to talk about ESPN, as do I. Uh, Steve, uh, did I leave anything out here? Uh, do you have anything to add? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to call you the inferno. Wow. Y you know, here's the thing about Mina Kimes. I get this once in a while. I don't get it as much anymore because I just really ignore it or you laugh with it or at it. But, I, but sometimes I get, as a boxing reporter, hey, shouldn't you be covering kung fu? And, I'm, you know, and my thing is, well, first of all, I'm Korean. You should be using taekwondo. But the bottom line is very simple. In this particular position, on various platforms, depending on your level of influence and profile, you're going to get heat. And as I've said before, Larry Merchant once taught me, Steve, this is not a popularity contest. Not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone's not always going to agree with you but you better have a thick skin and it's really unfortunate that Mina who's had a really good career and seems to be trending upwards she is now participating in the victimhood olympics for the monetization of victimization and I, I just I don't have a lot of respect for it. You better toughen up and you better understand this is part of the gig. This is part of the reason why you're there is to be able to handle the heat. Steve, if they had you on ESPN in the role that they have her. Because she's on ESPN talking to football players about football. She's not there sharing information. She's not there primarily to talk about fantasy football or anything. She's actually there to talk about football as if she knows it on the same level as football players. That's why uh, Dan Orlovsky doesn't have a real uh, defense of her other than just generically calling her brilliant. That's why Jeff Saturday says, I call her about analytics all the time. Cause he knows he, got, he ain't calling her about football. He's not, when they play a 46 front, he's not calling, well, Miney, you know, uh, when they covered up the center and the two guards, I can't believe the Colts didn't do X, Y, because he knows she don't know nothing about that. And so they wouldn't put you in that position. They don't put Adam Schefter or Chris Mortensen in that position. They don't, they put other football players and coaches in that position. ESPN has put her in position to fail and in position for sports fans to say, you know what, she's on here talking about stuff she doesn't know anything about with people who are actually experts in that arena and in that space and, and, and the default position. And it happens with virtually all of these Instagram models that they put on these shows. And, but but even, take Samantha Ponder, she's the host. She's not there to talk football. She's there to ask questions and to make sure that things uh, actually don't get anywhere near the truth. Uh, and, and so she does her job. Make sure these athletes talk about dumb stuff they, they can talk about, dumb down the conversation to a level that's safe and comfortable so nothing controversial ever gets said. But, but she's not there to talk football with her. And again, that's the problem they put Minor times in a position where it's so obvious to everybody, like, 
hey, I get she's a pretty good sports writer, but talking X's and O's, and I, I mean, I know some far better female sports writers than her. Liz Merrill, tremendous. They don't put her on TV to talk X's and O's, but she's a hell of a sports writer about any sport. They've put Mina Kimes out over her skis, and then they're expecting sports fans not to take notice, and no one like me to even talk about it, but I'm sorry, it's the truth. And, it, and again, it's not even picking on Mina Kimes. I'm trying to make a bigger point about, we can't have aggressive, difficult conversations if we're going to adopt these female standards of, oh man, these words hurt just like sticks and stones, so make <laughs> sure you don't say anything that makes me uncomfortable. It's going on, it goes on in politics to some degree, to, but to a little lesser degree. But in the sports world, it has so eviscerated difficult conversations to lead to anything truthful. You, you gotta keep the conversation in safe spaces. And, and literally, if I'm on TV, and Steven Jackson wants to say to me or who, some former NBA player, like, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. I got no problem with that. I'm going to defend myself, but I'm not going to shrink up and say, oh, man, you just saying that because I'm fat. No, you're saying it because I didn't play <laughs> basketball at your level. And, and you're here to be the expert on that. And to the, I'm going to give you that space. Anyway, I, I'm rambling. Go ahead. Jason, two things. To, to be fair to Miss Kimes, Dennis Miller never played the game. Tony Kornheiser never played the game. Weren't they on Monday Night Football? Rush Limbaugh was given a studio. And weren't they criticized and run off Monday yes. Night Football? And that's my second point. They didn't print out every email and whine about, oh, my God, Charles Brown, good grief. He wrote something mean about me, and, and let me now self-martyr myself. That's the issue. I don't care that she's not a 10-time All-Pro. Look, I'm a boxing writer. I've been so for about 24, 25 years. I was never a world champion. I wasn't on any pound-for-pound -pound list. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion, but you, you have to realize, and I know you do, Jason, because you have a thin, thicker than a rhinoceros in the desert. When you write something and you have strong opinions, or even mild opinions, or any opinions, there's going to be people they are going to find ways to pick at you. And for whatever reason, whether it's fair or not, they're not going to like you. You better be Teflon. And I've told you this before in the past. When someone on Twitter, when I, especially when I come on this show and I give a strong opinion that goes against the norm and they'll ramble on, they'll tweet at me that they don't like me or, or how wrong I am. My reply generally is a couple things. Either I just say, yeah, and so what? Because I understand I have the power of the opinion that lives in your head rent-free. I never think about you. That may sound arrogant, but that's the truth. The other thing is, when it comes to social media heat, you can either just block or mute. Uh, I've blocked more people than Anthony Munoz and Dikembe Mutombo. What's even more fun <laughs> is when you mute people, because now they get to hear your thoughts, and they think they're like jabbing back at you. You don't even hear them. That's the ultimate power. So, I, I, so, Mina, I don't understand this whole gathering of sympathy. Then you got everyone playing Captain Sava, uh -huh, you know what? It's just unbecoming. And look, I don't think that Charles Brown or anyone should be going that low. I, I don't even understand the mindset of someone that would uh, rip off an email. That must be a sad life. However, for Mina to say, oh, my God, woe is me. I'm making seven figures talking football with ex-players. 
but I'm the victim? Come on, that's weak. Weak. It's also working. And I believe she picked this. It worked brilliantly for Maria hmm. Taylor. And I, I believe she's learned her lesson from Maria Taylor and her and her agent uh, and whoever her handlers are, they hear cash registers ringing the more she hangs hmm. on that cross. You know, aren't Asians, aren't we now white adjacent? Does she get that type yes. of pass like Maria Taylor? That's the question. No, I'm being serious now because like she checks off the female box, but then Maria Taylor is like, okay, she's black slash African American box. Okay. She's militant box. She's woke. Box. The problem is if you're white adjacent, you only get one check, right? Uh, on the affirmative action scale. Isn't it? I mean, let's be honest about this. She's not, she's minority, but she's not that minority. Her SAT scores are too high, is what you're saying, mm. uh, to get that Victor Mason yeah. card, and <laughs> I agree with you. All right, hey, Steve, I'm going to let you go uh, because I'm going to bring a woman in here. Shamika Michelle is going to join us uh, to talk about this. But before I go, I want to tell you about my friends over at Sweatbox. There's nothing worse than walking into a situation where you're going to have to be around or in front of a bunch of people, and all of a sudden, you start to sweat. I've been there. I'm there right now. But you know why I'm not sweating? Because I use sweat block. Antiperspirant wipes. Now, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I literally only have to use sweat block once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. It's stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. And here's the beauty of it. It's so simple. Use it in the morning before you start your day, and you are good to go. No need to worry about sweat all day. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is a complete game changer and you need to get it now. How else do you think I start these fires and I never get burned? I'm like Khaleesi. I'm, I'm a part, I'm half dragon. All right, you got to go check out sweatblock.com. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code fearless. That's sweatblock.com, promo code fearless. All right, let's uh, roll out to North Carolina and bring in Shamika. Let's get a lady's take on all the sexist stuff I just said. <laughs> uh, Shamika Michelle, uh, I'm, my argument is that a lot of these ladies and a lot of these weak men want to make this a criticism-free zone where their feelings never get hurt and they never have to go take their anxiety medicine. Uh, and you just can't have a truthful debate and discussion if we got to sit around and we're, oh, did I hurt your feelings by saying this? Uh, the feminization of public discourse is, is hurting the hunt and the revelation of truth. What I don't understand, Jason, is why is this even a story? You know, it irritates me when women get into these male-dominated arenas and they claim they want to be equal, but the moment they realize that someone is doing something or that their feelings are hurt, that's when they want to play the woman card. This has happened 
you know, since the beginning of time. I think I read an article that said Hank Aaron got like almost a million emails, one year, not emails, letters in a year. Love when he was going to break Babe Ruth's uh, record. Some of that, a third of that, I think they said was hate mail. This is what happens, as you were saying in your monologue, when you are in a, a public space, when you are giving your opinion, people are not gonna always wanna send you roses or flowers. They're gonna have something negative to say. This happens to me all the time, but I always say, unless I'm sleeping with you or you have some type of input into the check that goes into my account, I don't really care what your opinion is. I'm gonna sleep well at night. I'm not gonna miss a meal and I'm not gonna cry. And so when I hear people do or see people do what Minor Kimes has done, throw herself on the cross in the uh, public sphere of Twitter, when I saw Maria Taylor getting flowers on ESPN because some radio jock in Chicago tweeted out something, uh, I, I see it as a tactic and a ploy, and I see it as insecurity. The, the reason I don't care about what people think, random people, think and what they say about me is because I have self-confidence and quite honestly, I just have faith that my real judge is a much higher power than some anonymous person on the other side of the internet on an email. And so I, I just, when I see people like what Mina just did and what Maria Taylor did, I see them telling on themselves that like, yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this and I'm mad this person called me out on it. Jason, that's why it's called self-esteem, admiration for oneself. If you have that, you really don't have time to focus on what someone else thinks about you. And I saw where she said in an interview with someone that that is a hard space for her. Well, if that's hard for you, that's something that you need to work on. That's something you should say, am I in the right business? If I have all of these issues with self-esteem and being questioned about what I know and what I don't know, what I participated in, what I didn't, you may want to check if you are in the right profession because it's not going to stop. And I get sick of women wanting to make everything so feminine. We want everything to be about feelings. Everything is not going to be about feelings. When it comes to sports, it's about what's truth and what's not true. You know, facts. This is not about your feelings. And so I just think that as a woman, if you can't take the heat in the real world, get back in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I'm going to follow in with your joke, but there's a, I'm telling you there's truth in what I'm saying here, and, and I mean it. It's really this simple. It, what drives me crazy is people will come into a successful space. Hey, sports talk, and guys are having a discussion, and I want to be involved. But let me remake this space so that I'm comfortable in it. And that's the equivalent of me stepping onto an airplane and saying, whew, boy, this Southwest middle seat. Mm. You know what? Southwest, y'all need to widen these seats to make me comfortable. And that's why I don't fly Southwest. I've made a choice. I'm not gonna fly Southwest. I'm not gonna sit in the middle seat. I'm gonna pay this first class 
or I'm going to get enough points to fly first class or I'm going to drive. If that's the case, if I can't afford to fly in comfort, I'm going to drive in comfort. And so I don't want all the rules changed to make room for me. I realize, again, I tell people all the time, size 40 jeans aren't for me, so I don't try to squeeze into them. And so if you're not built for this, don't try to squeeze into it and certainly don't come in and change all the rules because I'm, it was working. And now I'm telling you, if ESPN would evaluate what's actually going on on their shows, this whole feminization of the sports talk world, it's not working. It's turning people off. That You're not going to remake everybody where it's like, oh, you know what? ESPN now is just like The View. This is much better. And so Whoopi and Joy Behar, y'all come on and talk about Aaron Rodgers' performance last night. You're not, you're killing your audience, this dramatic remaking of sports debate into something that women and soft, weak men can participate in, it, it's not working, it's not going to work. And that's the same way Southwest, Delta, they're not gonna make as much money if they widen the seats because that means there's gonna be less seats on the plane. And so stand firm. Jason, go on a diet if you, do, if you want to sit in the middle seat. And Minor, if you want to talk football with Jeff Saturday and, and be out over your skis, toughen up and quit whining and just deal with it. And, and Jeff Saturday, in my opinion, he emasculated himself when he sent out that tweet of support. Like, I could just see him as he was tweeting his testicles being tied in a little bow. And when you wrap a package and you have ribbon, a lot of times you take your scissors and you go down the ribbon so that it pops back into a little spiral. That's what was happening with his pubic hairs as he was tweeting that. Because why would you even even feel like you needed to say something so ridiculous as a grown man who played football why do you need to reach out to a woman who never played football who's 10 years younger than you are to teach you something you should already know I just thought that sounded ridiculous and someone requested that he wears lipstick and heels as a show of solidarity I wouldn't even be surprised if that happened because he already just put his, his, his package in a package, a pink package. You, one other point, because people are going to read this misinterpreted. I stated very clearly in my mono and the column, and I'm going to restate it again. I don't have a problem. Women want to come in and talk sports. No problem. Let's just don't change the rules. If you're Doris Burke and want to talk basketball, you know what? I'm actually going to pipe down because Doris Burke knows more about the NBA than I do. And, and I got no problem. But when you because one, women play basketball. And so I don't have a problem. They can come in and talk basketball with former basketball players and all that because they played too. I get it. They may not have played in the NBA, but they played, and Doris Burke has done the research and study. She can get right in there and mix it up with anybody. But, but the reason why Minor Kimes is uh, in so insecure and so sensitive, because like a lot of men, but she doesn't know football. There's a lot of men, a lot of sports writers who don't know football. And there's a lot of men who would be self-aware and not as blindly ambitious 
as, as she is, they would say, hey, y'all got me in the wrong role. Let me come, I'll talk about fantasy football. I'll come on and share information I picked up from executives or agents or whatever, but don't have me out here talking football with Dan Orlovsky and Jeff Saturday that played in the NFL. Uh, I'll look like a clown. I don't want that role. She signed up for it because it's the check and she want, she's making history and she want, right. uh, they have a plan. I'm sure they have a goal. They want to make her part of some NFL broadcast, uh, you know, color commentator. The Rams have her doing preseason games. She sounds foolish on that and out of her league. Uh, but if she can't handle it, tough titty said to Kitty. Ain't no, no more milk. <laughs> you know, when you brought up Doris Burke, my daughter plays basketball and she has played organized ball since she was like eight or nine years old. She brought up D Doris Burke to me and Candace Parker, and she said that she didn't feel like it was about gender, but that it was about how much you know about the game and actually participated in the game. And so when I look at Doris Burke, she seems to take her job a little bit more serious than than uh, Mina Kimes. She's always joking. She's always laughing. She's not ready when they shoot to her. I saw a bloopers reel where it just doesn't seem like it's very serious to her. And so to me, she makes the men look very silly and like they aren't serious about the game or uh, they aren't as passionate talking about the game as when I look at when Doris or as Burke talks about the game, it looks totally different. Totally agree. Uh, thank you, uh, Shamika. Uh, Happy New Year to you and yours. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, hit the likes. Uh, get those likes up. Uh, tell your friends about this fearless army. All right, TJ Mo. I just want be, I just All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to the Show Me State in Missouri and bring in uh, our man T.J. Moe. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Minor Kimes and my thoughts there, but also I wanna talk a little bit about uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, with T.J. I don't know if you guys saw it last night. Aaron Rodgers was on the Manning cast of Monday Night Football and uh, pointed and talked about the book or pointed to the book and referenced that he's read the book Atlas Shrugged. So we'll get into that at the end of this. But uh, TJ, let's start here with my take on uh, Mina Kimes and just how the whole sports world debate is being feminized. And I, I think there's unintended consequences or unrecognized consequences that once you start feminizing debate of any kind, once you start pretending that words are just as harmful as sticks and stones, what you've done is made it much harder to have a discussion that leads to uncomfortable, important truths, and you end up dumbing down conversations and, and people not saying what they really think out of fear that the words will be twisted and used against, oh, you hurt my feelings, you said something inappropriate. Oh, and I'm just, for me, as a long time, been a journalist in the public square since 1990, I've gotten so much hate mail and so many 
derisive things written about me, said about me or whatever. I just don't have any respect for what Kimes is doing. And I think this whole feminization of the sports talk world uh, is, is actually damaging our ability to have real honest discussions. I, I think you're exactly right. And I, and I enjoyed your comment. I have a little bit different take and it's multi-layered. I'll try to be brief here because I do think there's some layers to this and I don't think, um, I don't think they're all so simple. I, I think what she's doing is it's Mina Kimes this time. It was Maria Taylor last time. Um, we have seen it really in, in modern history, uh, especially in media, but, but just in general, I think what she's doing here is evil. It's stupid and it's counterproductive. And so I'll try to be brief here. Here's where it's evil. No, 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 no. Hold, hold for one second. You just said a mouthful. Take your time. Evil, stupid, and counterproductive. Go ahead. There we go. I think men are wired to do three things in particular amongst many other things, protect, provide and procreate. Those are the three P's of being a man. This is, I mean, historically, this is what we are wired to do. They are protecting number one, uh, excuse me. They are, they are, they are attacking number one, our male instinct to protect. Okay. This is absolute manipulation. Something terrible gets said to Mina Kimes and here comes Jeff Saturday and Dan Orlovsky to the rescue, along with all the executives and the rest of society, because we are wired to protect women. This is what we do, right? And, and there's there's actually some history to this. You go read, why is it that men always have gone to battle while the women stay home? Well, because a womb is substantially more valuable than sperm, right? One guy left from battle can go knock up 20 women and you can then pro procreate and your tribe is saved. Whereas if you send all the women to battle, and you've got a bunch of men back home and the woman comes back, you've only got one baby at a time. Good luck procreating, right? There's actually some history to this. The male instinct, we are wired this way and they are directly attacking this. They're saying, look, I'm a woman, hear me roar. By the way, I just wanna be treated equally, just like you are. I just wanna be treated like a man. The problem with that is when something, if Jeff Saturday would throw this out there, we'd all shrug. Yeah, well. Welcome to the club, dude. This happens to a lot of us hourly. You get on Twitter, don't check your Twitter mentions. That's our best advice. We would shrug. In fact, we actually have a pretty good, uh, a pretty good example of how a man would handle this and how we as a society would handle something terrible being said to a man. It just happened to Baker Mayfield. And guess how we found out about it? Through Baker's wife. Baker didn't tell us he was getting death threats. His wife tweeted about it. And you know what the coach came up and said? Yeah, if it gets that far, we'll probably need to take a look at it, but you know, comes with the course. You know how Baker handled it? He said, quote, you have to take it one day at a time and realize that your priorities, your family members, and the people who truly matter to you, those are the opinions you need to listen to. You wanna be treated like a man, that's how a man handles it, okay? All of us, if you are out in the public eye and you want to, and you want to have your voice heard, there are going to be people who are going to criticize you, and you have to be willing to. If you want to be treated like a man, you have to be willing to handle it like a man. So I think what's happening is here is anybody who is smart enough to distinguish that men are wired this way to protect, all you have to do is say, I want to be treated just like the men, and then say something like this, knowing everybody's going to come to your rescue. So you have an added layer of this that a man would never have. So you will never be treated equally to a man. You will be treated better. 
None of us, Jason, you and I could never throw something out there and have the world come running to our protection. That's where it's evil. I actually think it's an intentional manipulation to one of the wonderful things about men, and that is that we are wired to protect women. Here's where it's stupid, okay? She is acting as though she's doing this in, in, in trying to be righteous, okay? She's saying that, look, what, I'm doing this so that other women can see the terrible things and they can be ready, and, and I'm trying to change the world. People have this idea that they all need to change the world. You should change yourself to properly handle the world. You should not change the world to properly handle you. That's insane. There are 7.9 billion people on this earth. Everybody should not cater to you. My grandfather, one of the greatest people that I have ever known, he told me he grew up on a farm in the old days when you actually, you went, you woke up at 4 a.m., you worked in the farm, you went to school, you came home and worked until dark, and then you did your homework and did it again. That was every day of his life growing up. One of the things that they were able to do, they didn't have much free time, as I just said, on the furnace, the old wood-burning furnaces they had, there was a poem. He read it, never forgot it, and he shared it with me as a kid before he passed. He said, your task is to build a better world. This is a poem. Your task is to build a better world, said God. I answered, how? The world is such a large, vast place, so complicated now, and I so small and helpless, there's nothing I can do. And God, in his great wisdom, said, just build a better you. This is the stupidity of going out and trying to change the, better, uh, change the world. It turns out the only way to build a better world is actually to succeed in changing yourself, and thereby the world becomes a better place. Because if everyone's doing that, we don't have to go change everyone. Worry about yourself, right? That is the stupidity. Here's where I think it's incredibly counterproductive to the growth of you as a human. Self-pity sabotages success. We all know this if you stop and think about it for a second. It gets your brain going down this avenue of victimhood. And once you go down that way, you have all of these imaginary hurdles that you can't get over. Instead of your brain trying to take the time to figure out how I can overcome these hurdles. You spend that same brain power that perhaps you could have used to overcome them to convince other people that you are the victim and they need to feel sorry for you. And then if you then find a way to succeed at that, have you ever been in a place where people are feeling sorry for you? It is one of the most uncomfortable feelings in the world. You feel unbelievably weak because if you are a person of competence, what you're thinking is none of these people think I can handle what's happening to me right now. It's one of the most emasculating things that can happen to a man and even a woman who wants to be treated properly in a man's environment. So that to me, I think, while at the end of the day, you may get your promotion, and so you've won, you've completely lost in the game of life, or your job is to become the best version of yourself, and you can never do that while you're playing the victim. TJ, <clears throat> I honestly think what you just broke down is in contention for the best thing I've ever heard said on any platform in sports media. And, and I say that in all seriousness. It's, it's incredible. Protect, provide, procreate. The womb is far more valuable than a man's penis. Uh, all of your entire breakdown, incredible, mind blowing. I, I hope when we push this out uh, on the show and over social media, I hope people take the time uh, to digest what you just said. Uh, as as I, you didn't change my mind, but you gave me a deeper understanding of why I feel the way that I feel, 
and you know, yesterday you, you had to say on this show, like, man, I was ready to agree with you, but I think you changed my opinion. Today, you did something even better than what I did yesterday. Man, that was good. That will stick with me. I'll be talking about it and saying it to other people while giving you no credit uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, that, I, you said so much. I'm not even going to dirty it up with follow-up questions about Mina Kimes because I just got to digest what you just said and, and probably bring you on tomorrow to discuss it all over again. I'm going to transition to Aaron Rodgers. All right. uh, I don't know if you saw this last night, but on uh, you know Monday Night Football on the Manning cast, I, do we have the clip, I think? Yeah, I think we have the clip of him on the Manning cast. Uh, they start talking about the books he has behind him. Let, let's play the clip. What are some of those, are books, some of those books over your, your shoulder? shoulder there? Yeah. What, what, uh, what are we reading oh, yeah. on, a, on a Monday or a Tuesday? Poetry? Scotch. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of French poetry. Yeah. Uh, got Atlas Shrugged by Ann Rand over here, and you know, I, I, I rearranged him to look like you know the, the the whole thing is is filled here. I got I got this helmet here with both you guys signed it, so thanks for doing that. I got a Chuck Norris uh, over here on my left, the action figurine. Obviously, that's a staple on any any bookshelf in America. Um, so it's it's the you know it's the things that count for sure. All right, so TJ. Are you familiar with the book Atlas Shrugged and its significance in terms for libertarians and conservatives and people that believe in capitalism and just how, you know, it, it's a book that triggers the left and it certainly triggered the left last night and over social media, uh, people started questioning, criticizing Aaron Rodgers and now we know why he's uh, anti-vaxxer and, you know, blah. Aaron Rodgers knew what he was doing by making that Atlas Shrugged reference. I think it was Peyton Manning who cackled out loud, who I think Peyton instantly got like, oh my God, he just trolled <laughs> uh, the whole left side of the world uh, with that. I I'm just, Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing. Uh, is, is this as... Again, I, I don't know if enormous significance, but it, it does. Aaron Rodgers seems to be choosing a side in the culture war, and I'm a little bit surprised that this is the side he's choosing. Uh, do you see it, read it the same way? I do, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not surprised because Aaron is a lifelong rebel. If, if Even in the offense, yeah, if you want to put this in a football context, go watch him play football. He does have his Super Bowl. He's got his MVP years. He's never actually run an offense the way his offensive coordinator has designed it in his entire career. He's always waiting for the bigger play. He's always freelancing. This is who Aaron is. Aaron is going to go by the beat of his own drum. This is how he plays football. Because I've watched him play football that way, if you're going to stand up even as, even as a young man in the NFL – if you're going to stand up to your head coach, your offensive coordinators, and prove, as he has done, that he's actually bigger than the head coach and the Packers are far more willing to do whatever it takes to hold on to Aaron Rodgers than they are these coaches, he's actually succeeded in this. Um, this is a guy who is basically estranged from his own family because he thinks a certain way. I mean, you've heard Jordan Rodgers talk about him in the past, and they're kind of like, <laughs> they shrug. If you're willing to be estranged from your own family, is it is it any surprise that he would be he would be talking about a book 
that basically dives into the role of the mind in human existence. Okay, and remember, I, I think Aaron Rodgers was grown up in a Christian home. I think he's teetering on whether or not he believes. The bottom line is he wants to investigate for himself. He's a pretty smart guy. The a book about the role of the human mind in in our existence. The idea is you have to think in order to survive and achieve your values. And remember, in this book, which which full disclosure, I have not read, but I have uh, I've, I am familiar with it and, and the principles in it. The idea is there is no God in this book. And the idea is that you have to think in order to create your own values and achieve those values. It's all up to the individual. The government can never do it for you. And you can't be a part of this group think this to me fits exactly who Aaron Rodgers is, and I'm sure as soon as he heard that, he was waiting to go on the Manning cast and let everybody know this is who he is. He certainly did. I, I don't, I, I think you're right in terms of like, Aaron Rodgers is definitely a rebel, uh, and the more rebellious he becomes, the more I like him and respect him. Uh, I said earlier today on Glenn Beck's show, because we were talking about his religious faith and how he grew up in a religious home and seems to have stepped away. And I was like, but I think the guy's on a search for truth. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody that's on that search for truth eventually is going to land back at a biblical worldview because uh, it's the only thing that makes sense. And so I'm just, just be patient. If this guy keeps hunting for truth, he'll be back <laughs> and, uh, that's what I think's happening with Aaron Rodgers, but I just hats off to him. It looks like he's going to win another MVP uh, award. Uh, his team has locked up the number one seed in the NFC. I hope he wins a Super Bowl. If a alleged anti-vaxer uh, who seems to be comfortable uh, sticking his finger at, at you know the woke crowd and the whole left wins the Super Bowl, wins an MVP, and is at the top of the league. I think that could be a powerful message that might get the attention of other athletes and, and get them to say, you know what? We don't have to play along with all the social media narratives that there's actually a different way to play this game without damaging your career. I think you're exactly right. And I have the I have the same hope. This is why it's so disappointing that LeBron James has decided to just go along for so long. He's the guy in the history of sports for the was he 38 years old now? Somewhere thereabouts. He's been in the league for about 20 years. Yeah. He every night still he, he scored 47 points the other night. He's, he will set records and he'll do it for a number of years. He has picked all the wrong battles. That's what's frustrating. He's picking the battles that are already pre-won in the media narrative. And that's frustrating. I want to see a guy pick battles. Do your own thinking. I'm all for that. If you don't come up with the same conclusion I do, that's okay. At least I see that you've put some thought into it and that this is coming from you and not the go along to get along media narrative. This is why the first shred of um, self-awareness that I've seen out of LeBron James is when he posted the meme of Spider-Man with the flu, coronavirus, common cold. There's a guy thinking for himself, at least question it. You may come out on the other side and disagree and that's okay. Asking questions, having robust conversations that allow us to all think through it properly, not all come to the same conclusions, but all think through it properly makes us all better. And as a society, we have seen over 
250 years as a country, that we all get to a better place because the masses of us, group thinks terrible, right? But when you have enough discussion, there's enough robust discussion between all the smart people in the world, we usually have enough common sense to say that guy. I didn't think about it right the first time, but that guy did, and we need to go that way. And we've done that for a very long time. Suppression of this robust conversation ultimately could be the downfall of America. You went to my next point that I was going to ask you about is that I did see a glimmer of a glimmer of hope that like this vaccine stuff is even getting LeBron to start questioning things. Because I do think that meme is significant and his little beef, although it's one sided with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, gave me like, is, is, like, is LeBron waking up? It, it, and I know it's just a small little uh, sign that perhaps he is, but again, I was on Glenn Beck's show early this morning and I, and I said to Glenn, I go, you know what, the great reset may be turning into the great awakening. And it's because of COVID and the vaccine, the way we've unpacked and the way the government has handled, the way media has handled COVID, it's been so dishonest, so illogical, and so obviously dishonest and illogical that people, it's forcing people that never would think for themselves, never would question the left's agenda, it's forcing them to like, man, am I wrong here? And, and I, it's, it's a tiny glimmer of hope from LeBron James, but there may be something to it. I, you know, my biggest surprise of the pandemic, seriously, is that, that the vaccine did not bring blacks and conservatives more together. We know the history of medicine with blacks in this country and that I, I'm blanking on the, um, the trials. Tuskegee, of, Tuskegee. Yes, we know the history of this that we actively killed people by withholding medicine and doing trials, like, like we did this specifically to blacks in this country. You have very good reason as a black man in this country to wonder, is this medication actually good for me? You above anybody else because of the history. I cannot believe that we have seen so many people just give in and say, ah, oh, well, the Democrats think that, the doctors say that, and King Fauci says, okay, so we'll just roll with it. Because we saw for a very long time, there was a lot of reluctance. This is why, you know, you, you look up in New York, the, the statistics have changed a bit, but especially at the beginning of the vaccine rollout, whites were at like 58%, blacks were at like 27%. I'm making up these numbers, but it was like, it was very few total number of blacks compared to total number of whites and then also by percentage. So the idea was maybe this is where the blacks turn around and they say to the conservatives, this is where we meet. This is where you and we see eye to eye. There's a lot of things in this country we don't see eye to eye on apparently. It's a, you know, the vast majority of blacks are Democrats. But this is something that I'm stunned that we saw the turn because as the percentages have now caught up, there's, there's far far more blacks that decided to cave to the vaccine than I would have ever guessed had you asked me at the beginning of all this. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not up to date on the latest statistics. I didn't know that, uh, you know, we had caved that significantly. But actually, I think that black people and conservatives actually agree on a lot of things. Uh, but whether or we, we, we've been so convinced that conservatives don't like us mm. and 
that that's where we oh the Democrats they like us and and for someone like me I care about whether my family and close friends like me no one else I could I could care less uh, if someone likes me and and so as long as we have agreement on cer certain issues and like man's going to be a man and no one's going to stand in my way of providing, defending my family and staying away of my opportunities, I care less whether he likes me or not. I care less whether he flies a Confederate flag. Got nothing to do with me. Uh, I, I really don't. And, and so I actually think there is some agreement and I actually do think this vaccine thing is actually going to open people's minds to like, have I had, attaching all of my identity to some political identity for black people. I think we're gonna, I think this process is helping us question that. And th I, I think, I'm again, it's a small, tiny sign, but like LeBron James may be snapping out of it. And what, now he, he's got these corporate puppet strings on that are really tight and really powerful. Uh, but he's all, he's foolish enough because he's made so much money, he's been worshipped and had his butt kissed enough that he may think like, oh, no, I'm really this powerful. And it's not these corporate uh, per, uh, strings that have one that have made me this powerful. He, he may buck up foolishly and try to be an independent thinker. And, and that's when he does that. That's when the skeletons are going to come out of his closet the same people that have built him up and supported him are going to tear him down. It would be foolish for his wallet. It would be wonderful for the United States. And this is true for all of us. If, if there is one moment of awakening, and you, you said the Great Awakening is coming, I sure hope you're right, and I've seen glimpses of it as well. There are a lot of smart people in America that I think have not been forced to do some self-evaluation about who they're believing in this country. And, and you, for a very long time, it didn't matter. When Bill Clinton was president, what was your biggest problem? The tech boom? You're like, yeah, okay. It's like people weren't as involved in politics. Now so much is shifting right before our eyes. If you are not thinking for yourself, you are absolutely part of the problem and the detriment to all of our society because, because uh, we, we talked about this a little bit when you, know, you just brought up you know, men and women, okay? There is a, um, the, the, male swimmer that is crushing everybody right now. Okay. You, you are in a yeah. place Leah where Thomas, Leah Thomas. Thank you. You're in a place where as everybody just lets it go, we are all worse for it because every day that it goes by, then more people are convinced that that's how it should be. If we all stood up for a second and this would have been very powerful. There's a girl named Abigail, I'm forgetting her name too. She just spoke at Princeton, but I, I posted on my Facebook. She came up with a theory basically that if all of the women in NCAA sports who were supposed to be racing against Leah stood up and said, we will never ever subject ourselves to this. We have worked too hard for too long. We got up at four o'clock in the morning and we worked to be successful in our craft. We will never be a part of a rigged deck. Will not happen. All of us could have said, Look, those are powerful women. Instead, we let it go by and we make it harder for the next generation because they say, well, this is just how it is. And that is what good people do. They have tolerance. Instead, we sit around and we say, well, uh, 
We, we just can't help. It, it is a big problem. People have to start thinking for themselves. They have to start looking at their American values, your own values growing up, your Christian values and saying, this does not line up with who I am, doesn't line up with who we are. It doesn't line up with the founding of our country. And we have to stand up and do something about it. That to me is a, uh, you know, it, the the swimmer fiasco is is I would say the biggest display of our inability to think for ourselves or push against the media narrative that we have going on in America today. TJ, uh, great job, fantastic job, uh, awesome job. Uh, we'll see you later in the week. Hey, uh, go get your fearless, uh, fearless Army swag right now at shopblazemedia.com backslash fearless. Uncle Jimmy's been wearing a lot of this swag. If you want to support the Fearless Army, get some of our swag, shopblazemedia.com backslash fearless. Uh, Delano Squires. Erks. All right, welcome back. Time to roll out to Washington, D.C., kind of change topics up uh, and talk to the smartest man on the show, Professor Delano Squires. Professor D has written a column uh, that starts out with a uh, very interesting proclamation about what he learned in 2021. Our most important institutions reach for things they can control when they have proven themselves unable to manage their primary duties He's talking about, among other things, how, you know, our politicians have failed uh, to run their cities properly, to run their states properly, to run the nation properly. But now they want to take control of this whole COVID thing and pivot to that. And they got all these mandates. And anyway, I'm going to let Delano uh, explain what he calls the Gates disorder. Uh, and he's not talking about Bill Gates or he's not talking about my favorite Gates, Ollie Gates, the barbecue baron in Kansas City. He's talking about the Gates disorder. I, I believe, Delano, uh, go ahead and explain the Gates disorder and what you wrote about today. And I believe this is an original term you came up with. That is correct. And, and Happy New Year, Jason, to you and all the listeners and viewers in the Fearless Army. So when I talk about the Gates disorder, and I say this in the column, I'm, I'm talking about two terms specifically. One is the term abrogate, which is when um, people or institutions abandon their core responsibilities. And the other is arrogate, which is when people or institutions take for themselves authority um, and responsibility that really they, they have not earned and um, don't have any right to. So that's what I mean when I, when I talk about the Gates disorder. It was just a way to you know, a simple way to show two sides of the same coin. And in the column, what I, what I talk about is how, um, for instance, in, in, you know, local government, uh, I use the example in, in New York City, you see the outgoing mayor, Bill de Blasio, who undermined his police department, um, implied that they were, were racist, in the midst of a homicide spike that hadn't been seen in the city for, for well over a decade, um, called for defunding the police. And, you know, he, he was a Black Lives Matter supporter. 
who was unable to protect the lives of his black and, and Hispanic citizens. And realizing that he was failing to do that, he found something that he felt that he could do, which was to enforce vaccine mandates and a vaccine passport on the very same people, largely, who he failed to protect as his core duty. So that, that's what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, an institution failing at its responsibilities, whether through ineffectiveness, whether through unwillingness, whether through cowardice, and then grabbing authority for itself that it, that it has no right to. Um, I also talked about the same thing on the federal level. You know, when Joe Biden was a candidate, he said he's going to defeat COVID-19. He criticized the Trump administration for their response and for the death toll, um, you know, in 2020. You fast forward to 2021, and more people died in 2021 from COVID-19, according to the CDC's data, after having a vaccine than died in 2020 before having a vaccine. So when he realized that he couldn't, quote-unquote, defeat a virus, he worked with um, corporate media, corporations, um, school districts, and local governments to, again, do some, to try to, to control something that he felt was a little bit easier to control, which was the actual population. Um, and then the last example, the major example that I use in the column, is probably the one that I, I find to be, um, I, I think is the one that frustrates me the most, is the example of sports media, and I talk about ESPN specifically, who have been completely silent on the issue of biological males competing in sports against um, biological females. So the issue of transgender athletes in women's sports, you, I, I mean, I, I Googled the name Leah Thomas, the P University of Pennsylvania swimmer who competed as a male for three years and then um, started to identify as, as, a, as a girl, as a woman, and now is dominating you know, his peers in, in the swimming pool, um, his female peers in the swimming pool, and ESPN, I could not find a single story on ESPN about that. Same with Deadspin, same with Bleacher Report, not a single story. But what ESPN does do and focus on is any topic that they can tie to social justice. So they will use, you know, their, their NBA programming to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. And I, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Malika Andrews and Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins you know, we're talking about the, the verdict almost completely devoid of facts. They were just repeating the same narrative you hear on CNN and MSNBC. And, and that has been the pattern for ESPN. Ignore issues that are actually germane to sports and chase after controversies and issues that have nothing to do with sports. Um, and I think it's because whenever a person or institution fails at its core responsibilities in order to remain relevant and to show themselves righteous, they look for something else to do. Delano, I've been touching on or around these this issue that you've zeroed in on uh, quite a bit in the past few months, maybe in the past year, in terms of of we never get to talk about what's really going on because mm. corporate media, our leaders in politics or whatever, always keep us focused on things that really aren't their responsibilities or even primary issues. And so this last point you made is really near and dear to me because 
I made my bones in sports. I'm still, you know, write and talk about sports. And this seems so fundamental. So how can ESPN go from uh, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner is the most courageous athlete in sports because they trans because he transitioned into being a woman. And so they ba- they planted a flag that transgender mm-hmm. is an important topic, so important that Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner is the most important woman of the year, the most important athlete of the year. To now, and, and Bruce Jenner's days and Caitlyn Jenner's days as an athlete are way in the rearview mirror. And and so now that we're living with the consequences of this bizarre belief that because someone feels a certain way, we must treat them a certain way. And so now that the real consequences are, we're looking at men come into women's sports and dominate. All these athletes, I'm, not, I, I'm just naming Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson because you, know, you brought them up. But virtually all of these athletes have kids. We have all this bragging since Kobe Bryant's death. I'm a girl dad. Mm. All of these girl dads and fathers of girls silent on this fundamental issue that could impact their daughters. Nothing to say on it. It's, It's the most cowardly thing I think we have going on in the world of sports, the silence on this issue, because it impacts everyone. This isn't some issue, well, that that, that doesn't pertain to me. You got a daughter, you got a sister, you got a mama, you got an aunt, you got a niece, you got a cousin. You know a woman who could potentially be impacted by this lunacy that we're embracing, and no one says a word. And Jason, this really goes to a point you were making, you know, on, on a previous show, I think it's yesterday's show, when you talked about how sports was used to um, imbue participants and viewers with a certain sense of, of courage and togetherness and unity have been making cowards out of men. And it, it's really a, a, a glaring reality because you, uh, oftentimes you're talking about men who display, display a type of physical prowess that... 99% of the population will never know, but their, their, their muscles are big, but their heart is small, right? And I, it's one of those things where, you know, to your point, people, whether it's Stephen A. Smith, Jamel Hill, Max Kellerman, um, as I, I name ESPN as, a, as an institution, Deadspin, Bleacher Report, none of these entities will touch that story with a 10-foot pole. And you and I know that the few times that they do talk about transgender issues or transgender athletes, we already know, we can bet the D to our houses on it, that everything they say will be from a a perspective of affirmation. They will never question the dominant narrative. So people who are so well-versed with sports, the people who know that the fastest woman in in history, Florence Griffith Joyner, Flojo, right, ran a 10.49 100-meter yard dash and this is a record that I think has been standing for well over 30 years, that time does not even count, would not even qualify, you know, for the top 6,000 times among men. And in fact, several high school students have beaten that time in, in the past 30 years. But these people act as if men and women are exactly the same. So 
all the girls have to do is just try harder. If you just try harder, you can overcome, you know, the, the, the advantages that, that males have from going through puberty. And I just, to me, it's, it's sickening. Like, that type of cowardice I just find revolting because, as I said, then they'll jump to other issues and they'll puff their chest out. We, we, we say what nobody else will. will. We're, we're brave. We're challenging the status quo. We're down with systemic racism and, and, and patriarchy. And then as soon as you ask them about something that, you know, may get kind of controversial, they recede into the background. And I just, when I see men exhibiting such feline and, you know, characteristics, as I said, it just turns my stomach. So my thing is, if if you want to be a house cat, stay in the house. But if, if you want to be bold as a lion when everyone else in the pride is moving in one direction, then the people who watch at home already know what the deal is, right? This, that's, that's not a sign of strength. The, the courageous one is the one who is willing to, to go in the opposite direction of the other 99 for, for a righteous cause. I'm not just saying to be, I'm not asking people to be controversial or contrarian just for the sake of being different. I'm, I'm asking them to say the things that they know are true and not be afraid of, of, you know, the consequences that come with, with telling the truth. And Jason, in 2022, I just, I resolved to, to never say things that I know not to be true. And I, I'm not about to act as if Leah Thomas is a woman. And the fact that he beats his competition by between 14 and 38 seconds should be a sign that something has gone terribly wrong. And, and we need our cultural institutions to speak up. But as I said, all of them are dealing in some way or another with, with the Gates disorder. Well, and, and the Gates disorder is really a, a side effect, a, a symptom, uh, you know, a metastasizing of an attack on people that have a biblical worldview. And who, mm. and, and you know what, I, I even take biblical worldview out of just people that have a belief in truth. And, and so, again, men born with penises, boys, whatever it would be, they're men, and even though they may be feminine, they may have some feeling that they're, hey, I'm not the typical man. But that equipment defines you as a man. I'm, I'm just sorry, that, that's just facts. And there's other things that go along with that equipment, the testosterone level and how tall you grow and all of right. that, how, how much lung capacity you have, all of these things. These are just facts, whether you're religious, faith-based or not, these are scientific facts. Trust the science. And we're sitting here today Ignoring that because a handful of people, and I look, and I, I, I didn't pr prepare you for this, but I, because I wasn't sure exactly where the conversation would go, but I'm looking at uh, this comedian, Peyton Patton Oswald. Patton Oswald, yeah. That, mm -hmm. yeah, has had to apologize for posting a picture with Dave Chappelle, Dave his Chappelle. longtime friend. And Dave Chappelle, whether somebody agrees or disagrees, with the tenor of his jokes about the transgender issue. And, and th there's room for debate on that. But, but this whole little thing that 
if you don't buy into the narrative that someone's feelings determine their sexual identity or gender, and that's what Dave Chappelle somewhat rejects, and I certainly reject, and now these cowardly men like Patton, Peyton, Oswalt, or whatever, are apologizing for taking a picture and posting it on social media with their longtime 30-year friend that's the kind of cowardice we're seeing from men. This connects to the entire show I've been talking about. Weak, cowardly men are responsible for the chaos and disorder we have in America. I just I'm baffled and blown away that we've allowed this kind of cowardice to run this rampant. I agree with you completely. And, and really what we're seeing is something that it, it, you, you mentioned a biblical worldview, and I, and I definitely want to get to that. But what we're seeing, even for people who don't believe the Bible, and they say, I get all everything I need to know from observing science and nature. You, you never see um, pack animals put the weakest, scaredest animal in the front to lead the pack. Because if they did, they would all die. You, you want a leader who's fearless who's courageous, who's willing to take risks. But to your point, the, the men who have the loudest voices in our culture oftentimes are, for lack of a better term, scaredy cats. They're cowards, yellow-bellied, lily-liver, all the terms that we, we grew up you know, talking about or, or using to describe men of this, of this sort. And the thing is, when, when, you know, when, when I was a kid, when you describe somebody that way, the picture you didn't the last picture that you would have in your head is someone who looks like LeBron James, because you would see a guy of such physical stature. These were people who, you know, when you read, you know, Greek mythology, you see the, you talk about someone who's built like a Greek god, perfectly symmetrical body. That used to be the epitome of, of masculinity. But now we're at a point that, particularly when it comes in the sports world, you know, the, the, the more, you know, physically built, as I said, the, the smaller the heart. And you have to have, you know, I know you talked about in yesterday's show when we were talking about, you know, comparing Antonio Brown and Tom Brady, and the name Cole Beasley came up. I know Cole Beasley because he used to be a slot receiver for the Cowboys, my favorite team. And Cole Beasley might be 5'8 and 175 pounds. And in many respects, he's a bigger man than LeBron James, certainly Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or any of the athletes who are part of the, the go-along, get-along gang, as, as Kwame Brown would say. So, I mean, we, we are going against nature, and to your point, and I, and I said this in the article when I talked about the solution, how do we get out of this mess? We have to get back to a rightful understanding of, of authority and responsibility. And it's a two-sided coin, because what has happened is that as our institutions, our, our government, our cultural institutions, our media institutions, as they have claimed more power and authority for themselves, um, the citizenry, the family, and our civic institutions have given more away. And all of us sort of know this intuitively. You know, Jason, when you were a kid, if you saw your, your mom, she was bringing in some groceries, and you say, I got it, mom. And as soon as you put your hand on the box or the bags, she would let it go. That is, that is a natural phenomenon. And as soon as big government, big business, big tech, 
you know, cultural elites and overlords put their hand on something, the citizens, our reaction has been to let it go. And we need to take back some of that power and authority and, and get back to a rightful understanding of both of those things. Because, um, you know, in, in the Bible, you know, the scriptures describe the, the church as a, as a body. It talks, it talks about the body of Christ. And that, that represents, that picture is one of which, you know, you have many parts that play different and complementary roles. The body only functions if every part understands, appreciates, and fulfills its role. The body politic is no different. So when any part of the body politic rejects its role, despises its role, we're gonna have problems. And that's, and that's why our culture is so sick. And we think that the cure to all of our problems is big government. But when we look at issues, you know, we talk about the family a lot, but if, if fathers are the, the legs and the foundation, right? When your leg falls asleep, you don't smack yourself in the head. You tap your leg and tell it to wake up. And that's, that's what we need. And that, even that such a, a simple picture is an example of what I mean when I say get back to a rightful understanding of, of authority and responsibility. Because if we don't, the Gates disorder is going, going to make all of our institutions, our most important institutions, we've already seen it with the family, but we're going to see it continue with other institutions, um, shrivel up and, and, and go away. You know, the point you made about the government coming in and putting its hands on things and you release and let it go. And the point you made about your mother or you see some woman carrying something in and you, your natural instinct say, let me carry that. I'm, I'm stronger. This is my role. And so there was a time. And, and again, I, I know I'm, I'm an old man shouting on the lawn, get off my lawn and <laughs> hollering at the clouds. But it's still in me as a man to like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. And it's like, mm -hmm. me and my mother don't agree on everything because to some degree, my mother's a matriarch. But mm. not even to some degree, my mother's a matriarch. But, but trust me, I put my foot down as a patriarch, as a man, and I take control of the situation despite her objections. Get your hands up off this bag, I got it. Mm -hmm. I done bought this house, I done bought this car, I'm in control here. I tell her all the time, tell any woman I do, I'm a benevolent dictator. Mm. I'm, I'm open to being corrected, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make a decision and you're gonna get on mm. board with it and we're gonna, and I'm willing to, oh, I'm wrong, you're right, we'll do it your way, blah, 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 but I'm, and so I'm, that nature is being killed within men and yes. that's why we take we're looking at, just like you said, these big, strong athletes. LeBron James has a daughter. This man wants mm. to speak out about criminal justice and the police and all. He don't know nothing about it. What he does know is athletics. He has a mm -hmm. daughter who has a good chance to be an athlete. And for him to sit around and say nothing on this issue is why I, he's a weak man. I don't care how physically strong he is. I don't care that he can dunk a basketball. He's not man enough to defend his daughter and other women, but he wants to talk about policing and things he doesn't know anything about 
but on something this central to all athletes, all men or women. Megan Rapino should have an opinion on this because mm -hmm. despite whatever, whoever she chooses to sleep with, she's a woman. And having a bunch of men come over and play soccer would not be fair to her. But these cowardly athletes, all concerned about their social media and how much money they can make, are silent on issues this fundamental to them. It, it, it infuriates me. Yeah, and, and I, Jason, I have, I have a personal sort of example of what you were talking about, you know, before. But that, before I get to that, as you you mentioned Megan Rapinoe, I'll say this. I can't think of any group of athletes who dedicated themselves more to issues of social justice, quote unquote, than the WNBA. And again, I, can't, I, I don't know of any WNBA player who's spoken out. And in fact, the one time that I've seen something run in ESPN on transgender um, issues and athletics, it was a glowing profile of a WNBA player whose name I do not remember because I don't watch the WNBA, but it talked about her quote unquote transition from woman to man. She basically you know, cut off her breasts and probably taking some hormones. That's about it. So the, the WA is not gonna touch it. Now, any random policing case police shooting, they will print up t-shirts with bullet holes in the back, you know, any other issue you know, around abortion, they, they will say my body, my choice, all that stuff. But when it comes to issues, again, that are actually germane to them, because if, if, if the WNBA doesn't get its act together, they're going to realize, or, or they're going to live in a reality in which Joanna Man, which was a comedy, becomes a, a docudrama, because if, if LeBron James at the end of his career says, you know what, I can extend my career another five years. I officially today identify as a woman right into the WNBA and he'll, he'll go down as a Hall of Famer, win another five championships and he'll cement his legacy as the greatest you know, basketball player of all time. But really quick, it, um, you know, my, my mom came up you know, for a couple of days with my sister you know, over you know, the, the holidays. And um, she was telling the story about how the kids who were in New York for a period of time, she was talking to my oldest son, he's only three. And he, she said he, she was going to do something. She was gonna, let's say she was gonna open a, 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 a can of pasta sauce. And he said, no, you can't do that. You know, you're a girl, you're not strong enough. You have to get Pop Pop, my dad, to do it. Boys are strong. And she wanted to correct him and said, oh, girls are strong too. And we were talking about it and, you know, sort of having a playful discussion. But last night, when it was time to dig the cars out of a foot of snow in my driveway, I asked if any of the women in the house wanted to volunteer because as someone who believes in equality, I said, any of y'all want to go outside and, and dig, dig for the next three hours? Oh, <laughs> to, to a woman, all of them said, no, 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 that's okay. I'm, I'm fine. And I said, there you go. And, and my wife said, you know what, we're, I, I acknowledge we're not equal. And, and, and this is where I want to put a fine point on it. And I said, it's not that we're not equal. We're just not the same. And I think that is the, the, the fact and the reality that our society has yet to fully come to grips with. Equal does not mean the same. A person who's right-handed, who writes with their left hand, writes with their right hand, they, they shoot a basketball, they throw a baseball, they do all their things with the right hand. That doesn't dismiss or, or 
you know, they don't deny the fact that they have a left hand. It's just that their two hands tend to do different things. One is more dominant in, in some areas, and the other has complementary roles. And we have not learned whether inside, as I said, the, the body of Christ or inside the body politic, we have not learned the beauty of complementary roles. Um, we need to learn that, or else, as I said, the, the entire body is going to suffer. Delano, I'm going to crack a joke, but I'm going to let you go first because I don't want you to be involved in this joke. I'm just going to play off <laughs> okay. of your right hand, left hand analogy, which is brilliant and how they complement each other. Uh, but thank you. Uh, great job. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and so we're going to let Delano go, take him off screen as I crack this joke. My right hand is dominant, but when it comes to pleasure, it can't compete with my left hand. And that's the complementary roles that we're talking. There's great equality between my right and left hands. They both do different things. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, hit that subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening over Apple or on a podcast, give me that five-star review. Support the Fearless Army. Uh, Uncle Jimmy will be here next for our approval rating on Mina Kimes and review of my work. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Okie dokie. Uh, I was fantastic today. Uh, your thoughts? You did pretty good. You, today was kind of a tricky, tricky subject. Uh, because you and, you and Delano, y'all started off smoking, killing him. I mean, Delano, Delano came out, and what did he say? He said, their muscles are big but their hearts are small, right? Yeah. Then he said, equal doesn't mean the same, right? Yeah. Then he said, men are felines. You realize on the streets what that pretty meant that he pretty much meant that he said about men. P word? Yeah, well, he said he called them, you know, he, he said that men are, have feminine feline tendencies. Yes. You know, and then this is the one, like he said that if LeBron James was to try to pass at a woman, he would be the greatest. I don't know if he'd be the greatest, but he damn sure be the ugliest. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> and, you know, I love Delano. But then after that great interview, Delano said something dumb, and then you said something dumb. You're going to take that great interview that Delano did and then going to say, you're going to say, get Delano off the air. And then you're going to decide that the world needs to know whether or not you are righty or left. <laughs> take that beautiful interview and then decide you need to say that. And then Delano, as smart as he is, he's going to tell us, as intelligent as that brother is, then he's going to say some, something dumb like, oh, I'm a, I'm a cowboy fan. <laughs> as much credit as I've been giving you, now you're going to talk about you a cowboy fan. Man, I'm done. Boy. I thought, I got to say this, and look, we, Delano was great. Tamika was great. Steve Kim was great. Uh, T.J. Moe. T.J. Moe bought the heat. Yes, he did. Hey, man, T.J. Moe said, and, and I, I'm, I'm serious, man. He said this. He said, uh, he said the virus is bringing blacks conservatives together. I mean, for real. He, he, he asked, he said, you know, as, as a white dude, Jason, how are these black guys letting this happen? <laughs> Jason, I mean, really? We're believing the, the health system as a black guy? Dude, I don't even know what that group was, but... <laughs> hey, man, TJ bought that, man. 
He, 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 you can say everything you want to say about Minor. What did he say? He said she was evil, stupid, and counterproductive. Now, TJ, let me tell you something. Jason's a lot of things. One thing he's not, he's not a liar. Jason told you to your face, I'm going to steal that one and act like it's my own. <laughs> well, what I'm going to steal is protect, provide, and procreate. And, and, and that and the, the woman's womb is more valuable than our, our private member. Uh, and it was such a, I hadn't heard that. Maybe other people have heard that point many times, but uh, anyway. If I had to give an award to who stole the show today, yeah. oh, TJ walked off with that one, hands that's, down. That's, that's what I think as well. Uh, let's go to Mina Kimes, Mina Kimes, Mina Kimes, whatever. Let's go to our approval rate. Do you even know who Mina Kimes is, Jim? Yes, I do. And the only reason I know who Minor Kimes was is because I asked Corey, why the hell did we end up with Steve Kim and even get that other little cute little Chinese girl? <laughs> I don't. <sighs> You're going to get us in trouble with these. <laughs> I hope. Are you getting this cleared by Steve Kim? You're going to get me in trouble. You, you asked me how did I know her. I didn't know who she was until then. Well, I'm just, you know I got in trouble for the Jeremy Lin jokes. So you trying to, you trying to get me in trouble again? You, you said so, Steve Kim, something about Yin yesterday. Anyway, let's go to Mina Kimes. Let's go, man. I've said enough. Uh, job performance. Uh, she talks football on ESPN. Uh, I'll give her an eight. I give her a zero. I didn't know who she was. Get her on our show, and I give her more respect. She used to be, you know, you know she was a big star on uh, Dan Lebitard's Highly Questionable, the poppy was on. You and know I felt star? that her performance was highly questionable. Oh, all right. Well, I, I thought you liked to like that show. I thought you liked Poppy. Uh, character, uh, if someone, I can't remember what I gave her in character. I think I gave her a six. I think I gave her an eight in character. Uh, and how, you done gave, you gave her a perfect score in character? Oh, yeah. How? Why? Done, done, done. Hey, man, WWESPN is <laughs> just another one bites the dust in the all-star victim cast. <laughs> another one done bit the dust. Yeah, I, get, I think TJ, he called her evil, so he'd probably give her a zero in character. There you go, man. Uh, authenticity, uh, I would give her, you know, a 16. I think she's saying what she believes, but what she believes, a lot of it is stupid. I give her a 10. I give her a 10. She is what she is. She was eye candy. Now she's just mistreated and abused eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more valuable, ah! actually. It's actually going to lead to a better payday for her. Uh, and then uh, finally, I think we're it at factor. it factor. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I think that, uh, you know, she, she's, I, th I find her attractive. I think she's got an it factor to her. I'm going to give her a 21. Uh, I'm going to give her a 10. Uh, I... I like everything about her but her face. <laughs> Man, you just a flirt. I'm serious. Trouble. I mean, she, she, everything else on her is good but her face. <laughs> Completely disagree. But anyway, I've got her at 53 and candlelit. You have a dumpster fire, Jim? I thought, I thought I was in trouble. You got her as a dumpster fire. She just don't. She don't. She you don't. know how I know when I've written something well? And and is I lose Twitter followers when I when I write something, and it's like instantly once I put out that column over Twitter, 
I lost 100 Twitter followers just like that, which means I'm over the target. You know how I know when I say something wrong? Yeah. Is you the first person to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, there's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>